Hello and welcome to TNT, the technology and things podcast. Your host, Paul Ferraro, is a former IT exec and currently a technology advisor. Jeff Kruger, a fellow technology enthusiast, is the co-host. They both spent many years working for a Fortune 500 company and are both passionate about leadership, technology and the community. We're so lucky to have Teresa Anabali, who is a regional vice president for Evotech, on with us today. Looking forward to, to getting into all kinds of topics around uh, women in technology, Teresa's background, and, and kind of what she's up to today. So, Hi, Paul. I, I'm all yours, whatever cool. you want. So, so Teresa, you and I, I was thinking, the first thing I was thinking about was when you and I had, when you and I met, which... I think was, I think 2005, mm-hmm. something around there. It's a little yeah. foggy, but does that sound about right? Yes. Yes. I remember, gosh, you know, I remember my first few times even coming on Qualcomm site. I remember the intensity of the work that your team, you and your team did. Uh, the pace that we worked at was faster than any of the other goals I had supported up to that point. Um, you know, because I had traditionally done financial companies, which their pace before was very slow and kind of stagnant. And yeah. you know, everything was a change request. Change request took days. We had to make sure that it was seamless. And But at Qualcomm, um, well, I don't know if I can mention that. That's but, fine, um, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Um, we talk about Qualcomm all the time. It's fine. Okay. Okay. I'll I'll try to keep that in mind. So, um, fast and furious, (laughs) right? That's how I think of it. And so when I was introduced to the account, you guys had just engaged in a very large contract with semantic and it was my job to make that contract, um, be uh, successful, successful <laughs> yeah. and your BVA to be effective. And I yeah. remember our first meeting, you're just like, we just spent a lot of money with you guys and I need to make sure this product works. It's successfully deployed. If you had told me my directive from day one and I was scheduled to be out there for a couple of years because of how many projects that we had to do. And I uh, quickly fell in love with every team member of yours. Like you had the best team and yeah. not, I mean, like, and still, to this day, I, 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 I pull so many things that I learned from working with your team because there were moments of intensity. Um, your leadership was really good and they were involved when we needed them to be involved, but they also delegated and, and let the team do their job. So I, I don't know, like I, it was some of my best days because I spent yeah. so much time there, a lot. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting. I was, I was on a call yesterday with a client and a, a director level uh, client and it reminded me a lot of of what that team and how they operated. Um, it, she was so on point of, I want this. If you guys do this, we're going to have a great partnership. It was like, this is what you dream of, is people tell you what they want to do. They're being very direct. It was funny because I got off the call and I was talking to Richard Sauer. And I said, Richard, I go, because and actually this person was talking about how in their past, they were kind of a little more crazy and they've kind of tried to really hone how they're working with partners and vendors and, and all that. And, and you could tell it was, it was, it was great. And I said, I told Richard, I go, I used to be a complete maniac, you know, not that I treated people badly, but I just, I think it, there was an evolution of where I started and where I got to of how I worked with people. And 
because the, the job can be all consuming and you just get, you can get kind of crazy. Like everything is like, I need this tonight. I need it in five minutes. You know, you're just like, everything is just so manic and you kind of get to a place where you kind of work that out, get a little more comfortable and, and give people, you know, a little room to maneuver and, and work better and all that. But uh, it was pretty cool. And I was like, oh, this is, this is refreshing to see people like that. Cause it's, it is sort of rare. I mean, I still think it's a little rare. So it, it is, it is, but you, I mean, you had a tough, you had a tough job. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mean, between yeah. all the legal holds, all of the immediate needs that you were responsible to deliver data internally and externally, and then to your business partners internally, it was, it was a nonstop uh, I'll tell you a few of the things that I pulled from my days of, of working for you was, and your team was, I now, um, a lot of leaders don't share directly with me what their initiatives are. And it's either because they're waiting to see some success or honestly, they're not sure themselves, right? Yeah. So I do <laughs> mandatory and, you know, it changes based on their leadership as well. So I do mandatory uh, quarterly business reviews. And with my direct teams that I support, those happen either biweekly or monthly, but from an executive level, I at least once a quarter meet with them. And uh, they don't get that a lot. I think that's something rare because they've shared with me that there's no other partner that comes in here and really wants to hear. And I said, look, your initiatives change every day. I need to make sure I'm hitting the mark. Um, you know, it's, it's not it wouldn't be common for you to call me every single day or for me to call you every single day. However, a touch base is really important. And we did that a lot on your side because you had to report that way. So I had to make sure whatever we were doing, we had to provide you a dashboard with the successes. You yeah. were then putting it up. And um, I'll tell you, that was one of the best lessons because now I'm very in sync with the business. And it's now they're more proactive with sharing with me, like, hey, I'm hearing we might be doing this in six months or this might be an initiative coming up or this isn't an initiative we need to start working on. And that communication just flows so much better. So I, I th thank you. <laughs> I think if you, I think it's powerful when, when people build that relationship and they're sharing the information and, 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 and you can really fire on all cylinders, but so many, you know, clients, customers, whatever you want to call them, they hold back so much info because they've had bad experience with, you know, maybe a vendor partner thing like that. So I get it. I totally get it. And you want to like, you work your butt off to earn the trust to get to that place where they send you their project plan or, or their, here's our initiatives. You're like, you know, not because you're like, Oh, I, I want to go sell you a bunch of stuff, but like, I want to go work on things that are mad that matter to you. <laughs> so the, the better, you know, like, so it is, it is a magical place, but we could talk about that all day, but I, I want to, I want to move on from, from that, but I, I appreciate what you said. And, and that means a lot, but I just wanted people to know that you and I have, have a very long history and um, it's so cool that we could do this today and, and be able to talk again. Cause it's, it's a, uh, it's pretty cool. I, I, that's one thing I wanted to do with this podcast actually was bring these, you know, individuals like yourself that, that I've worked with and known and, and be able to highlight, talk about the past, talk about the future, all those kind of things. So the reason that I really wanted to have you on a is every time I talk to you, we're always talking about Canada. It seems like <laughs> Canada comes up, uh, your Italian descent comes up. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm Italian as well, but not as Italian as you, you know, I, I don't speak Italian and uh, I think you're, you're closer in the, the generational 
uh, I don't know what, however you say that, but I'm first generation. Yeah. My parents. Yes. First generation Italian. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. I'm like third generation Italian or something. So, which it, it kind of trails off pretty quickly, <laughs> I think. Uh, sure. But I just wanted to kind of, I wanted you to talk a little bit about, you know, the kind of the, the Italian, uh, the first generation Italian in Canada. And because most people, I think, I mean, I guess when I first thought of that, I was like, what's the big deal? It's Canada. Like, every, you know, Canada is wonderful. You, you just think wonderful when you think Canada. So I'd love you to just talk about what that was like, you know, any challenges and, and. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh my God. I love this topic. Okay. So you're going to have to <laughs> keep me, keep me in line from a time perspective, but grew up in uh, Canada and uh, I'm daughter of, of immigrants. And, um, you know, it's really amazing you would think the opposite growing up in Canada. I always thought, Oh, it's um, United States. Like it's the same. <laughs> I, I I'll jump forward just for a second and say the day that I moved to the United States, I was about 22 years old, 23 years old. And um, we'll maybe get to that story of how I ended up in, in the United States, but the amount of shock culture shock that I went into thinking it was going to be so much like Canada. And I can't, Canada is so much more like Europe. Okay. It's, uh, uh, yeah. it's very different, very different from a political standpoint, from a culture standpoint. Um, so I was blessed to be raised by two amazing parents. I love my, my mom and dad. They like, if, if I, I said this earlier in a, in a meeting, if one were to believe in past lives, you know, one thing that they perfected together was co-parenting. They just did an amazing job. Um, as immigrants coming over, you know, I think there's a, you have to think about what they went through, right? They left their life, their culture, everything that they know, and um, came into a foreign land, had to learn a whole new language, had to learn a whole new way of life, all this culture, and then deciding, like, what do we leave and what do we adopt and how do we raise our kids, you know, because we were raised one way, but yet we're in this land that does things so differently. So we owe, you know, us first generations always say we're the screwed up generation because we, we were raised kind of like on the streets of wherever we were raised and learning, you know, the outside culture and then the home culture. But my parents were really great. I mean, you know, they were really big on teaching us some fundamental core values that um, like I remember learning lessons as young as five and six years old, but it was really important for them to, to raise us with self-respect, respect of others. Uh, teaching us, um, you know, how to, how to honor the dignity in other people. Um, uh, lots of volunteer and giving my, I had both my mom and my dad were both givers, like to the T. Um, and also, you know, especially my dad, he taught us the power of being a free, a free willed individual. And what was beautiful about that was they, they didn't hold us back from a cultural perspective, especially the daughters of an Italian family, you know, tradition you hear, they, uh, they stay home until they're married. And that's the goal is to get them married where my dad was very adamant that he wanted us to be free willed and educate ourselves and make our own money and grow and not have to have all these obligations that society puts on us. So I, I had a rare upbringing when it comes to that. And it, it's those core values I kind of take with me everywhere I go, but Growing up in Canada, the other thing I'll share is um, I got to live in Toronto for quite a bit, which is probably the biggest melting pot, I think, in Canada next to Vancouver. And it was amazing. I had friends of every nation, every especially when I was in college, you know, you just meet everybody. And they were all um, immigrants for the most part. So spent a lot of time with them and got to embrace 
culture in a different way than I think a lot of other people did. If, if you weren't, if you didn't have that opportunity to, to experience that. So diversity is very big in me. It's something that I've learned since I was a child and experienced and, um, yeah, so that's probably, and I love it. I go home, my brother's still back there. He's a chef. So I go back as much as I possibly can and visit family and friends. And, um, it's really good. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe you talked, how did you go from, you know, how did you make the, the, the change from Canada to, to the United States? Oh gosh, it's really funny. So the very first time I ever went on a plane, I was 13 years old and you'll appreciate this. Um, first place I ever went to was San Diego, California. <laughs> nice. And I went and it was winter time in Canada. And I, so, you know, I'm on the plane, first time on a plane, winter coat, you know, you know, my, my mom's packed my bags. I'm 13, you know, figuring things out. But we land in San Diego. My uncle picks us up. It's a beautiful San Diego day. Palm trees. I'd never seen one. I was like, what is this? And the first place he took me to was La Jolla Cove. Wow. So never <laughs> seen the ocean before in my life. And I just remember walking on the beach, still wearing my winter coat, taking it off. Going, <laughs> And I'm looking at the ocean and, I, and my mom was standing beside me and I looked at her and I said, I'm going to move here one day. Like, this is the most beautiful place I've ever seen. And, you know, you've got the beautiful people running by and jogging and yeah. like, it's winter in Canada right now. Nobody's even outside. And um, my mom said, good, because when you move here, I'm going to come with you. And literally at 13 years old, every decision that I made up until the point that I was able to move was to get me to San Diego very determined, very persistent, um, even in like the schooling that I did and um, every conversation I tried to visit after that one visit, um, I tried to make it an annual trip to come out to San Diego. And sometimes it was one year, sometimes it was every other year, but I got to stay with my aunt and uncle. So I got to know the, you know, I made friends already and got to experience a little bit of, you know, it was summers, but got to experience a bit about it. But but that was really the driving factor. And then when I graduated from college, um, it was really rough, Paul. You know, I, I lived on my own in Toronto. I, you know, sometimes didn't even have enough money to eat. Like it is very expensive when you're on your own. And yeah, and you, and you get like, I struggled, you know, it's like, how am I going to make it in this city? Like the jobs I could get are 10, 10, $12 an hour. And I can make that now and I already have a degree. And, and at the time in early, it was like 98 or 99, San Diego, if you remember, was just starting to boom from a tech perspective. And um, it was very inexpensive to live in San Diego. And I saw that as an opportunity to say, well, I got to start my career somewhere. I got to live somewhere. My family agreed to take me in for a short period of time while I got my feet on the ground and I packed two suitcases and I had $300 to my name. And I crossed the border and I just figured it out. <laughs> wow. Wow. And you know, your mom actually did move here, right? She did. Yeah. 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 Shortly after I moved, um, my sister came about a year later and then we became roommates here in San Diego or in San Diego. And then about two years later, my dad fell ill and um, he had actually served during Vietnam. So he was a veteran and the Canadian healthcare just wasn't working out for what we needed, the type of urgent care that we needed, but the VA system happened to be amazing for him. So 
it worked out for his health care. And of course, my mom wanted to move here for a very long <laughs> yeah. time. Anyways, I, I think I met your mom before. I, I want to yeah. say, I think I've met your mom. Yeah, she, yeah. she's awesome. Yeah, I think at one of our work events. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, the San Diego airport, when you come out of the um, the little baggage claim area, it's always like, whoa, even for people I, I've been living, I've lived here my whole life. And when you go on trips and come out of that airport, you just go, oh, it's just amazing. Every time you come out of that airport. Smells, the yeah. ocean, the <laughs> There's something like- magical about that little airport area. I don't know what it is. I guess it's, <laughs> I guess it's right by the water. Uh, <laughs> so um uh, when you let's fast forward a little bit, cause we don't have, we, we don't have a lot of time with you. Um, but I, I wanted to kind of talk about, you know, you got into, you got into technology. I wanted to kind of get into some things that, you know, for, for maybe others that are either trying to get into technology or that are maybe in some kind of entry level type of gig today, like, you know, what are some things that you had to overcome, you know, roadblocks? How did you kind of, you know, uh, get to the next level? What were some things that, that you think would be interesting to share? You know, I remember not knowing what I wanted to do. And um, like IT wasn't a natural decision for me. But going back to the days where I was struggling, I just knew I wanted to get into an industry because I didn't, my heart wasn't set on one industry. I wanted to get into an industry that had limitless opportunities and was very welcoming to women. And one of my mentors in college gave me that advice. And he said, you know, I can't tell you what it's going to be because you're going to find what your calling is, but definitely do that. So when I moved to San Diego, I actually, (laughs) I was very bold. Like (laughs) anybody who I thought look wise was successful, who was well-dressed, wore a suit, um, you know, or was well-dressed from a female perspective, drew up, drove a nice car. I would literally approach them and ask them about their journey and say, what did you, you know, what are you doing? I'm just looking, you know, to enter a career. And I, I, I would approach people that, you know, I could tell were open and friendly. And one of the things that, one of my questions were, if you were to start your career today, what, what industry would you go into? And what would you look at? And um, it was unanimous that everyone said IT. And I was like, oh my God, I've never even taken a computer course. Like, like Google, I didn't even, Google wasn't even around yet, you know? <laughs> and I was like, okay, so what am I going to do? And so I had to overcome first understanding your industry and how the only way I knew how to do that was to actually go back to school. So I went back and got a second degree in, um, in information technology and every course I took, I thought, okay, I took my first coding course. And I was like, okay, I'm going to be a coder. And so I go into the coding course and within two weeks, I was like, I'm not going to be a coder. Like, this is not. <laughs> and then second thing I did was um, I remember taking a DBA course and I was like, I'm going to be a DBA, you know, they make tons of money. And I was <laughs> like, oh, this is not for me. And I didn't get discouraged, but I just kept on exploring, kept on having these conversations. And then about six classes in, um, I took a project management course and I almost cried. Like I literally went in and I said, what's a project manager? And I realized that it was the perfect blend of my personality, my skills. I didn't necessarily have to be super technical because that just wasn't resonating with me. And that's how I found it. So it was a blend of self-discovery, a blend of really talking to individuals and people um, about their experiences 
And I guess in some sense, I was starting my network, right? Yeah. Like this, yeah. The you were networking. Started. I mean, you were, you were, it was before LinkedIn, you were just going up to people and saying, Hey, what are you, you know, what's your, <laughs> what's your deal? So wonderful. Like, like, honestly, I've so heard that before from people that have, that have said that they just have, they just went up to people that looked successful and, and started talking to them and it, and it, and it, it works. It it does work. You learn stuff and people go, you know, people have gotten gigs or, um, you know, people have learned, you know, valuable lessons and things like that. So it's, it's pretty cool. I still do it every day now. So like, um, not necessarily go up to to strangers, but, um, in the reverse, you know, I, I support a nonprofit in San Diego. It's called uh, solutions where we work with juniors and seniors in high school to talk about, you know, we help them with uh, college um, selection. And one of the programs that I put in there was the, the journey program where basically it's a luncheon where we invite about a hundred adults from different industries to come in and be paired up at a table for lunch with the juniors and seniors to talk about their journey. Oh, that's so, awesome. So we, you know, to date, I mean, the last one we did not obviously during COVID, but the year before we had 30 tables. So we had over 300 people and students coming in and doing that. But I pulled that experience from what I had and it's one of their, they love that program because the students are just like, wow, I didn't realize that. But, you know, I love sports, but I could be a sports therapist instead of having to try to be a baseball player, you know, and different type of things. So. Yeah, no, that that's cool. Um, that That's really that's really cool. It is daunting when you're looking at, you know, some of these careers. How do you get into it? You think everyone's kind of got it dialed in and figured out and they don't. Nobody did. Uh, they all kind of, you know, so it's. It's that I think what you said that resonated was the perseverance, you know, sticking with it, staying, mm-hmm. you know, kind of keep grinding, looking at different things. Get you went back to school, you know, Thank to you. go get some more education, and which helped you kind of figure out I don't want to be a DBA or I don't mm-hmm. want to <laughs> do coding. And I think that's that 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 probably was was super valuable too. And then you stumbled upon you're like, oh, I like this project management stuff. The project management thing's funny. When I I remember working with my first project manager at Qualcomm. I absolutely hated it. I was like, I don't know. Because my boss at the time was like, we were kind of like evolving as an organization. This is like the mid 90s and mid to late 90s. And it's like, I really want you to work with this project manager. It's going to really help you get this stuff nailed down. And I'm like going, it was like a foreign language. I didn't know it. We used to have these drag out fights go back to our, the boss. I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And he kept going, no, go back, figure it out, figure it out. And then I was like, I love this project management. I, it finally, it, it took me a while though, but it, it, it I will, I have to admit it took me a while, but I, at, at one point it, it, the switch flipped and I was like this, that particular person became like my best friend at work there. And I was like, was, uh, I was like, this is so powerful. And that yeah. was that was huge for my career, actually, because learning the power of the people that are around you that have these different roles and learning what they can do, because some people use them really ineffectively, you know, setting them. They just use them for setting up meetings. And it's like mm-hmm. I used to yell at my team. I'm sure you were there. This person over here makes more than you do. They're not setting up your meetings for you. They're here <laughs> to, like, help you figure out your shit. So, mm-hmm. like, you're setting up the meeting. The project manager is 
can do something else. You know, like I used to go nuts about stuff like that because they get treated sort of sometimes like they're second class citizens. And I, I used to always be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like there's so much more that they're doing here. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, that, that's, that's a great, that's a great story. So yeah, the other thing I didn't yeah. have to overcome, honestly, is um, because IT was so welcoming to women, in my experience over the past 20 years, so welcoming to women, you know, it's, oh, there, there's always been an open door for women in technology, right? It's just more of a, you know, getting women interested of, of, of coming into IT. Um, I embraced it because my understanding of it was it would always be opportunity. I can always move up. So, you know, that was one thing that I'm so happy that I picked IT because I, I really didn't run into very many roadblocks. And um, once from a, going back to my Canada days and learning how to communicate with multiple cultures and multiple people, you'll appreciate this, you know, from a, you know, from a project management perspective, you're dealing with a lot of coders and developers and engineers and everybody is very either introverted or speaks their own language or doesn't want to be bothered. <laughs> and so I have that calmness and patience to work with individuals. So they're not annoyed or don't get annoyed, but we can still get the job done. And so I just developed so many wonderful working relationships with um, so many brilliant engineers. And I learned so much technically at the same time as you know, I would tell them, don't worry, let me communicate on your behalf. Let's share this together. And you do what you're good at. I'll do what I'm good at. And um, there's just the, something about that combo that worked really well. It just kept me interested in the job. Yeah, the, 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 you know, realizing that everybody has a different style and, 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 you know, how they get communicated with or how they attack a problem or work on something collaboratively. That's if you, if, if you can master that ability to kind of just switch gears for every, cause every literally everyone has got a different way of d d dealing with something. And I yeah. think that's really, really powerful. If you can, if you can adapt and you can yeah. just on the fly, cause, cause some project managers and, and people in general can't, <laughs> they, they have a, a way of working and you'll work their style you know, and, and, and the team has to adapt to the project manager or the manager. And it's like, I think this whole, I think sort of the new world is managers, project managers and things like that. They need to be adapting to their teams more yep. and, and less the other way around. Um, it, Cause it's sort of unlocking their, their powers, if you will, rather than trying to just be like, here's how we do it and, you know, figure it out. So, um, what kinds of you mentioned women in technology? Obviously, that that is a is a big challenge trying to get more women into technology. What are some things that I know you're trying to you know do your part to to do more in that space and bring women into technology? What what kinds of things can people do? What can we do? Are there things that you know I can do? Uh, are there things that our listeners can do? You know. You know, so that's a really good question. And it's something where I, I think of new things every day, to be honest with you, because uh, I was just having this conversation. And one of the things I do is I work with a lot of youth um, who are coming into the workforce or, you know, in graduating, either both from high school and college. So I love working at that level because I'm, I love sharing my journey and my story with them. 
I love, you know, telling them that you're not going to have the same job forever. You know, I, and especially both men and women, I talk about how technology really is our future. I mean, I think we all know that it's going to, it's, it's already ruling almost everything that we touch, do act. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. And it would, it's just such a welcoming industry to do whatever it is that you're interested in doing. So, um, you know, I, I do mentor a lot on that and talk about, you know, finding your fit within an industry and, and making it your own. And, you know, my, my one, uh, one of the girls I was working with in college, she just said, I want your job. You have a corporate card, you go around, you fly everywhere, you do all these fun events. I watch what you do. It looks like you make a lot of money. Like I want to do what you do. And I'm thinking, Oh no, like so much more than that. But, but, he had it was just so funny how they you know like sum it up like that and uh I said well listen tell me a little bit about you and and actually she had a performance arts background and really loved to throw parties like she was a big like you know her family would always give her the task to plan parties and do things and she was kind of like a natural marketing person um but yet had this desire to travel the world so I said look I said you know there are a lot of companies out there that are looking for international marketing positions um, that are within IT, you know, it, it could still be within technology. And, you know, we should start exploring this. So we started exploring, we found some internships, for example, at Viasat. And um, Viasat nice. had a position, they have an amazing internship program where every, it's, a, it's I think it's, um, it's six months. And every six weeks, you, tr- you go and move into a different position within the company to, wow. to do an internship. And it's their way, it's brilliant because it gives the graduate a chance to, you know, get a feel of the different of the different roles. And then it also gives them a chance to, to test them out. So at the very end of the, in the internship, um, she was offered a job for an international marketing position, travels like 10 or 12 countries a year, putting on these big events. And her performance art background is perfect because she has to speak to people, you know that constant actress, actress. So it's like, I love that, you know? And so I, and so she is in the technology field. However, it's, it's really tailored to what she likes. And so now she's working with sales reps. And so she's really interested in getting on the sales side. So I still mentor with her and I talk to her about what it's like being on the sales side, making that transition, keeping your, keeping it authentic to who you are and, um, you know, kind of explaining how sales is, is really different, but it doesn't have to be and how you can still be successful. So, I mean, that's probably one of the ways is, is definitely working with our, our young, our youth coming, coming, you know? Yeah, no, I think the other thing you said that it honestly comes down to individual people, right? So it's like, if you have somebody in your network, that's needing some help, like actually spending time with them and helping them on their career search or, figuring out what they want to do or going to the next level or whatever it is. Like it, it, it really does come down to at some point, two people have to sit down and, you know, communicate. It's you have to work. You have to kind of invest some energy and time into that. So I think that's, that's a, I think that's a great. uh, I think social media, to be honest with you, is probably my favorite tool these days. Like you asked what you could do. I mean, advertising, uh, like the company we work for from an EvoTech perspective, you know, our diversity is going to be a big message that we're going to be promoting and talking about over the next year, but sharing that message because diversity attracts diversity, right? 
So we have, um, I think 24% of our workforce is female and 24% of it is of an ethnic minority. Um, however, you know, we're 50% we're of our leadership is women. So there's a story that we need to share there as well. And having people from Evotech share that message will attract the comfort of people coming to, to Evotech. So yeah. Yeah. I think that the, the, the use of your platform that you have here, TNT, I think social media and sharing just what we're doing right and what's working is really big. Um, that's probably, to me, one of the most powerful ways we can do that. Teresa, it's been fantastic having you on. Thank you so much. Thank you, Paul. This has been such an amazing experience. So yay, oh, I made know, a TNT. I'm yeah. so excited. Yeah. I'll send you a badge. You get a okay. TNT badge. And then also, this is actually the first time, this is the first, I want. I forgot to mention this. This is the first time we've done a one-on-one -on -one, like interview, sit down interview. So I, I'm, I'm so happy that you are that, that person. Uh, so well, hopefully you invite me back again and we can talk more about great topics like diversity and, you know, the things that we're doing, you know, that are different than Absolutely. other, other bars or even just sales, like yeah. all these great topics that we can talk about. But thank you, Paul. You're wonderful. Always have been and uh, excited to be part of TNT. So thank you. Thank you, Teresa. And we'll have you back um, anytime you want to. You just have to let me know. <laughs> okay. All right. Have a great Friday. See you later. Thank you. Bye now. Bye bye.